Hi, you're listening to The Ready Room, the Treks and Sci-Fi Microcast. I'm Kenny, and I play Captain Nathaniel Jacob Quinn, also Lieutenant Commander Nicholas Took. And as you can hear by the silence, I am once again alone on this podcast. This is pretty much just going to be post-readings to catch everybody up. And Jen, Rick, and myself will hopefully be back next week with uh, more post-readings and our commentary on the past post. So sit back and enjoy this week's The Ready Room. Accessing library computer data. Initiating the story so far. Enter when ready. Galda looked from Matheran de Cullen to the guards on either side of the man he presumed to be Lieutenant Commander James. Then he straightened and looked at James directly. Ensign Galda, reporting is ordered. Sir? Only the slight quaver on the final syllable revealed just how nervous and confused he really was. Stay where you are, gentlemen. This shouldn't take too long to sort out, Eric said in a cool voice, but almost ignoring the ensign's greeting as he looked directly at Theron. Mr. de Carlin, would you care to explain what is going on? De Carlin looked past Eric through the viewport window and watched the shuttlecraft carrying the fugitive's stall. Ah, Mr. Eric James, son of Alyssa, and... Ooh, now that would be telling. I love to stand here and massage your ego while you fill in the gaps of command, but I have work to do. Now there in that Judevin shuttle are two fugitives. The first, a... <coughs> old man. The other one is one of your own Starfleet cretins who thought he old ill to, uh blow up the bays and maybe even your ship. Eric started to speak, but was cut short. In fact, if it uh, wasn't for this ensign here who found a trigger device, this vessel would be sitting here having a new paint job for another 12 weeks. So, if you don't mind, I do have work to do. Eric's face took a completely neutral tone. It was obvious that the man had read his personal file, but most of it was public knowledge. He glanced out of the window to see the shuttle's parasails go back online. Pretty speech. Are you done now? Eric mused. His voice had been honed in a dagger-like edge as he continued. There is no place on this ship for you or any other member of 31. If we need your help, it's more than likely because of a problem that 31 created. Theo and DeCallan discreetly tapped several buttons on his wrist and smiled at James. Mine. My, uh... (laughs) Brother... I love this cretinous organisation as much as you do, and for that I pity him. I don't have time for this. The red dot on his wrist grew bigger and Theron's cloaking device began to activate. He paused it for a moment. Say hi to your wife. This cloaking technology has been an asset to our section. He winked at James and then he was gone. The two guards looked around and Eric walked to the viewport window. The shuttlecraft had disappeared. Eric's brow rose as the man vanished. Inwardly, he felt nothing but amusement. The man actually thought he could use stolen technology against a technopath. He also mentioned Eric's wife, something that the man wouldn't remember if he had ever met her. Obviously, he had not read as much as he could have or had seriously overplayed his hands. It was a technology that he had once had in his own possession until the Romulus mission. Eric growled under his breath. If there was a chance that Theron spoke the truth, he would have to let him finish his task. Eric was sure that the technology and mention of its source could have only come through one channel. David Locke. Turning to the young Ferengi, James crossed his arms. Gul'dar looked up and offered a weak smile. Permission 
to come aboard, sir. Granted. Eric nodded to the ensign, then turned his attention to the security detail. Escort Mr. Goldar to my office. He and I will need to have a little talk after I get this ship in order. Back in sickbay, Joseph slammed his head into the pillow and caught the metal flame. Arthur, easy there, chief. Looking up, he saw the formidable figure of Catan in the doorway, carrying a brown sack. What you got there, mate? he asked. Catan furtively glanced round the room. Seeing that they were safe and prying eyes, he removed a large amber-coloured bottle. Beads of condensation rolled down the chilled surface of the glass as Catan handed it to Joseph. Just a little something to help ease the pain, he said with a grin. Catan pulled out a second bottle and after flicking the cap off of his thumb, took a slow pull of the beer. I found it in the replicator library. It's a ancient Australian drink called Cooper's Original Pale Ale. He let out a soft burp. I, uh, used my security clearance to override the replicator's safety protocols. No sympathol here. These are the real deal. Very nice, the Callan said with a smile. He lifted his bottle to the toast. Here's to a guy who is never blue, and here's to a buddy who is ever true. Here's to a pal, no matter what the load, who never declines. Just one for the road. Both men laughed and clinked their bottles together and took a deep drink. How do you keep ending up here? Katan asked. I'm starting to think that you get yourself into these scrapes just so you can get away from facing me in that ancient cricket game. You still owe me that match, you know. Josie rubbed his head and smiled in mock discovery. I knew it. You've been practicing. Katan gently laughed as he walked around the bed, quietly surveying the gleaming and fresh-smelling sickbay. He paused at the head of the bed. So, how's everything going? Uh, not good, mate, the Callum replied. Eric's just been barking there in the converge and my brother is here. Remember I told you about him? Well, something has kicked off down here and I don't think he's too happy. Katan smiled absently and he continued to look around the bay. Sitting down, he put his boots on to Colin's bed. Have you, uh, seen Viola around? Katan asked. Josie stopped halfway through his conversation. Are you even listening to me? Katan looked past Joseph to the office. Yeah, 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 you, uh, you mentioned something about Commander James barking at your brother or something. Joseph sat up and swung his pillow at Katan's head. Viola's in the office if you fancy going over there and get rid of that grin. Katan stood up and lightly punched Katan's arm. Chin up. He smiled. Bees later, and that's if you are still confined to quarters. Katan stood and headed towards the office, leaving Dekal and shaking his head in mild amusement. His smile faltered as he looked down at the muddy boot prints left on his bed. Ah, oh, great. Susan's going to love this mess. Darius glanced over at Commander James. The situation was getting sticky. If 31 was involved... Well... At least everyone else in the room seemed to share his opinion of that self-important group of shadow dealers. Had it been his call, Darius would have stunned everyone in the room first, the boss included, then sorted it out after everyone was tossed in nice, safe brig cells. Of course, he'd been accused of overreacting before. The other guard, it seemed, wasn't about to take Eric's proffered assignment. Seniority is a horrible thing from the new guy's perspective. Your office, Darius repeated crisply. Right away. Sir. He stepped back and motioned to the Ferengi. This way. Galdar nodded, still slightly uncertain. Whatever was going on was probably above his rank and definitely outside his sphere of Starfleet experience. 
As a non-citizen, his knowledge of the minutiae of Federation life was limited, but something told him the average Federation man in the walkway wouldn't have got these strange numeric references. On exiting the bay, Calder looked sidelong at Shane. He saw an ensign, like himself, but a human, and so impossible for him to obsess in terms of age and temperament. He cleared his throat. <clears throat> Galdar, ensign, shuttle pilot, just transferred to the Arabella. He paused, and then tried to smile in a friendly manner. This is not the way I'd have chosen to report aboard, but neither is knocking on an airlock from the outside, without a suit. Darius looked at him briefly, then returned his attention to the corridor head. Striding along, he said nothing for an extended period. The Ferengi simply trotted along beside him, however, also saying nothing. Despite his obvious nerves, the extended silence appeared not to rattle him further. Darius mentally shrugged. He was an officer, even if he was an unknown quantity, and for the moment, he wasn't in custody. Darius Shane. Security. The Ferengi looked at him and waited for the next sentence. There wasn't one. He tried again, going for broke. And what is 31? And why does it make Lieutenant Commander DeCallan's brother so... unpopular? The official answer was that Section 31 didn't exist. Of course, you couldn't give that to someone who just risked their hide for you. With a sigh, Darius launched into an explanation. Section 31 is a... Well, they're a splinter group, really. They used to be a part of Starfleet we just didn't talk about. But they were supposedly disbanded a while ago. They were covert intelligence and ops. Things every government does, but no one admits to doing. The boss's brother seems to fit their mold nicely arrogant to the point of smugness, and so smooth he should be downright frictionless. Darius came to a sudden stop. Why was he running his mouth to a Ferengi shuttle pilot about stuff way above the kid's security clearance? New kid on the block syndrome. That was why. Sorry, Galdar, he said at length. I just transferred aboard myself. I didn't mean to give you the suspect treatment. I know what being the odd one out feels like. Basically, a lot of folks in command and security hate 31 because now they're a much greater threat than anything they think they're protecting us from. 31 is a loose cannon. One of these days, it's going to go off. It won't be pretty. An hour passed since Servril's healthy newborns first drew breath. The infants and their mother were exhausted and slept soundly despite the bustle of sickbay. Ryla smiled at Ensign Farmer over a cup of Ractagino as they chatted within the privacy of her office. You did a great job, Mackie. Thank you for helping. If the captain approves the clinic, you'll have to consider transferring to the medical department. Her focus moved from her friend to the man approaching her office from the sickbay floor. How does he do that? She muttered. Catan had somehow managed to slip past her once again. There was no telling how long he had been in the medical ward. The Fertilian detected the instant shift in Ryla's natural lemon drop fragrance. The trill now emitted the sweet spice of Rain Victoria Roses. Down, girl, she smiled. Oh, stop it, whispered Ryla. 
She tried to halt the grin she felt in her heart from reaching her face, but it bested her easily and pressed the dimples she hated into her cheeks. Katan was smiling just as broadly as he approached the door. Hello, ladies. Am I intruding? Mackie's back was facing the chief tactical officer as she rolled her eyes at the trill. The doctor's smile never failed as she tried to ignore her friend's relentless teasing. She quickly stood, bumping her cup. It rattled on the desk's glossy surface, but remained upright. Hello, Lieutenant Commander. The formality was back in her reference, despite her buoyant demeanor. Did you come to see Lieutenant Commander DeCollin? The smell of L reached her, and her eyes narrowed as she spied the bottle he tried to hide behind his back. Did you bring him something... alcoholic to drink? She peered through the transparent office wall just in time to see Joseph drop a similar bottle on the other side of his bio bed. A frown now creased her spotted forehead. That better be one of Margon's root beers, Kata Commander. She could feel her temper climbing. Theron appeared in his own cloaked ship and threw the wrist controller at the wall. I should have come here first. Starting the engines, he looked over at the Arabella. <coughs> Theron de Callan to Joseph de Callan. A few seconds went by before Joseph replied. What do you want? Theron rolled his eyes. No need to be like that. I'm, uh, sorry. Joseph got in. No, you're not. You're not sorry, Theron. I've made a life for myself here, and I've got good friends and a career. I don't need you turning my life upside down. Theron shrugged and pulled at his cheek. Considering you're the uh, older sibling, you do act immature. Joseph barked back, his anger obvious. Immature? Me? I'm not the one ponting around dressed in black playing I spy. Get a lie, Theron, and stay out of mine. De Callan out. The audio went dead, and Theron looked at the steady sound line on his communication panel. A small piece of skin fell from his cheek where he had just pulled and he threw it on the floor. Tapping in some numbers, he opened a secure communication channel. D6. This is Karim de Callan. I've lost the agent known as Theron. Make a note, he is heavily disguised as myself. The gas I hit him with has caused him a temporary state of insanity. The other one is under Starfleet security. The poison you gave me wasn't strong enough. A slow, dry-sounding voice echoed back through the shell of Karim Shuttle. I'm not interested. You've gone too far, Karim. From now on, you're on your own. D6, out. Karim tore at the prosthetic skin, the youthful tone replaced by his own yellowing colour. He snarled and activated the warp drive. Nicholas Took looked over at Nathan Quinn as he shook his head, reading the pad. Two hours prior, they were relaxing in one of the finest hot springs on August 2, before getting a Priority 1 communique from Starfleet. They had to cut short their shore leave and return to the Arabella immediately. Quinn's jaw continued to drop as he read down the pad. Is everything all right? Nick asked as he piloted the shuttlecraft. Nathan chuckled to himself. <laughs> yeah, everything's great. I have a rogue Section 31 agent aboard my ship who happens to be the brother of my chief of security. Oh, and DeColin gave him permission and access to the Arabella. This agent has been giving orders to my crew and they're actually following them. There have been several explosions aboard the Starbase and one averted aboard the Arabella and my new ensign is said to be an accomplice with this agent. Quinn shook his head. Oh, at least there's some good news. Several had her children 
and they're doing well. Nick's mouth was slightly open. Wow, we should go on shore leave more often. Quinn smiled slightly and laid down the pad while running his fingers through his hair. How much longer before we reach the Arabella? Uh, 20 minutes, Nick said. <sighs> Good. That'll give me time to meditate. I need to calm myself down, Nathan said as he took some deep breaths. Galdar sat in the office of the executive officer of the USS Arabella and waited. He'd already been here a while, and yet he didn't begrudge the time. Back on Ferenginar, his father had often made him wait, and he had resented it every time. Waiting by its very nature was a slight in Ferengi society, though not one that was often discussed. Being made to wait said that your business interests were obviously less important than those of the one who awaited you and could thus be indefinitely delayed. In the same way, agreeing to wait was understood as a tacit acceptance of the assumption and a recognition of position of inferior status. That was the surface interpretation, anyway. The deeper you analyzed it, the more complicated it became and the more nuances you discover. Starfleet, in comparison, was relatively straightforward in the rank conferred the right to make people wait on those who held it. There were a few exceptions, but generally, at least in Galdar's experience, rank reflected relative ability and experience. Oddly, the Ensign wasn't particularly worried by what he was waiting for either. He'd not met Lieutenant Commander James before the incident in the shuttle bay, but from what he knew of the man, gleaned from his research on the Arabella, if James saw purpose in, in imposing on his time, it was probably justified. Galdar stood abruptly and walked to the window, from which the curve of the station was just visible. He rubbed his scalp, itching again in the dry air. Besides, he thought ruefully, given that someone had just blown the guts out of most of the external access ports to the station and had probably planted a device in the main shuttle bay of the ship, it wasn't a surprise that the commander had more important things to do. There was probably a sector-wide alert in place by now. The fact that he'd come aboard with someone from this Section 31 was just bad luck, exacerbated by the character's relationship to the Arabella's chief of security. He doubted he'd be held responsible for DeCallan's presence on the ship. He'd only met him minutes before the shuttle was shot up, and DeCallan himself had made the call for transport. There was a chance he would be associated with whatever was in progress. However, he wasn't sure that as a Ferengi, he would be able to talk his way out of it. Rule of Acquisition 19 was apparently correct. Satisfaction really isn't guaranteed. Joseph peered round the glass and could see Catan attempt to hide his bottle of ale. Deciding it best to hide his as well, he slipped it down the side of the biobed. He glanced at the monitor in front of him. The information had been transmitted flashed in front of him, but something strange caught his eye. Rereading the words, he suddenly noticed small mistakes. The wording was slightly out of context. Theron would never spell words wrong, and why did he call me immature? Looking again at the screen, the information was all gibberish. Whatever Theron had sent him was meaningless. Computer, scan report and highlight grammar and spelling anomalies. The words shut up in front of him. This was not right. He wiped his eyes and looked again. The highlighted words rolled in front of him. Infrin, Ashish, Minish, Tush, Och, Ilch, Dalf, Milch, Brush, El, Wilf, Elst, Rush, Nis, Desh, Zis. That didn't make sense. Jersey sat up in bed and looked at the words. It took him a few moments to realise it was the first letters that stood out. 
I am T old M be warned. I am the old man. Be warned, old man. Karen. Wait, what? Why would Theron send me that unless Theron is the old man? And that's why he acted so agitated. Damn! Joseph looked across, but suddenly he felt tired. The poison had made him weak, and the sudden anxiety and the ale made him pass out. Go to red alert, Lieutenant Commander James said to the operations officer and tapped his comm badge as he stood on the bridge of the ship. James to all personnel, a security lockdown is now in effect. All security officers begin a sweep and clear of all decks for unauthorized personnel and suspicious items. All other personnel, please report to your duty stations and quarters until further notice. If you notice anything odd, please report it. Eric took a deep breath as the pulsing red light and the alarm rang out. Eric looked over the bridge staff. Mute the alarm and do a scan for all life forms aboard the ship without an Arabella-issued communicator. Aye, sir, replied the ensign currently running operations. Flag any non-Arabella crew to be intercepted and detained by security until their credentials can be verified, Eric said as he took a seat in the captain's chair. Taking a deep breath, Eric closed his eyes and reached out to the ship with his mind, searching for something that did not belong. The red alert saved Lieutenant Commander Catan from Dr. Dredd's lecture regarding the bottle of ale that he had clearly shared with her patient. Upon hearing the first officer's orders, Ryla's frown fell away. This has to be related to Joseph's poisoning, she thought. The trill doctor glanced from her unconscious patient to address Catan. It was then she noticed that he was quickly striding toward the exit. The trill raised her voice in question as the doors parted for him. Do you think these people are coming for Joseph? What? The red alert klaxon took Lester by surprise. They didn't have them often on starbases, and he hadn't put in enough hours on starships to be quite used to them yet. Computer, what is happening? he inquired. The computer beeped in response, but before it could give a reply, it was interrupted by the intercom. It was Commander James ordering a security lockdown and ordering all personnel to duty stations or to remain in their quarters. Lester's shift didn't start for two hours and he hesitated. Exhaling, he made his decision and headed out of his quarters on his way to engineering. Galdar continued to stand and stare at the curve of Starbase 416 through the window of Eric James's office. He waited. Despite having formally reported aboard as soon as he'd been able, he hadn't come aboard in an orthodox manner and certainly hadn't completed any of the normal formalities. As such, he would presumably show up as a non-crew member on internal sensors, and would almost certainly be flagged for the attention of security if he started wandering around the ship while the ship was at alert status. Staying where the XO had ordered him and security had put him seemed to be the best move at a time like this. Besides, he doubted they'd want him in the shuttle bay right now if the escort he'd received from that location was anything to go by. Yawning, he rubbed his eyes. He'd been awake for too many hours on a straight run, and the current period of inactivity meant it was all starting to catch up with him. Moving to the chair, Galdar sat again and closed his eyes, glad that the klaxon had been muted. He wasn't going to sleep, but he did need to sit back, just, just for a moment. Galdar stirred as the door opened and was vaguely aware of the sound of carpeted footsteps as someone entered the room. They halted a little way in front of his chair. As the Ferengi started his slow return to consciousness, he struggled to work out where he was. 
the footsteps hadn't helped. He woke to see his father looking at him in annoyance and glancing meaningfully at the curved doorway that led to the rest of the house, the doorway beyond which his bedroom lay. I see you've still not learned sense when it comes to replenishing your energies after a taxing day, his father said flatly. He was slowly becoming aware of the clutter around him, including a fallen bowl of grubs. It had obviously been there for a while, as much of the foodstuff as once contained had crawled to the far reaches of the room. He mumbled through dry lips. A hand shook his shoulder. Galder snapped his eyes open and blinked his way into consciousness. Instead of home, he found an office, and instead of his father, he looked into the eyes of Lieutenant Commander Eric James. "'Sleep well, Ensign?' Eric asked in a tone just slightly louder than whispering. "'It's not unexpected to crash after the adrenaline wears off. "'It's one of those things that you have to prepare for in the future.' Eric turned and walked to the desk, taking the seat behind it. As he did so, Galdar stood and approached the desk in in his turn. Eric's fingers lightly traced over the rough, unfinished, baked clay surface of a Vulcan figurine from the time before logic. It was a simple piece that conveyed so much of that time. The passion of the artist's work could be seen in the details. It was a passion directed into art rather than the bloodshed that was common in the era it was made. Sir, I I must apologize for the manner of my arrival aboard the ship. As you know, I was due to report aboard at the start of my next shift. He didn't dare ask the time. But events in the shuttle bay rather overtook my plans, leading to a somewhat hasty departure from the station. James nodded but said nothing. I would also like to formally report Lieutenant Nichols, uh, Nicholas Andrews for his part in today's action, and I believe the destruction of station facilities. <laughs> he left aboard the shuttle with uh, the other fugitive. As for the presence of Mr. DeCallan, all I can offer is that uh, he was present in the shuttle bay, a restricted area, and introduced himself as a superior officer and brother to the lieutenant commander. Again, events got in the way of further introductory pleasantries. With his report concluded, Galdar relaxed slightly and allowed his eyes to drift to the shelves attracted by family images they held. Holographic children, frozen in time, looked back at him with smiles on their faces and laughter in their eyes. In the silence that had fallen on the room, Eric looked at his new Ferengi officer. If an honest assessment were made, he wasn't looking too good. From the bleary eyes to the crumpled uniform, with what looked like a phaser scorch across one shoulder, he was not a living picture of Starfleet at its best. Galdar straightened his uniform as he felt the appraising gaze, the phaser at his hip coming into acting first officer's view for the first time. "'Is it your normal practice to arm yourself while sleeping, Ensign?' James spoke for the first time since sitting. Galdar bristled, rising to the implied criticism, until he detected the edge of a smile at the corners of the lieutenant commander's mouth. He took a deep breath. "'Sleep was not my intention, sir. However, uh, it was uh, a trying evening.' Images of the phaser exchange in the shuttle bay crossed his mind unbidden. I understand. The ship is currently on security lockdown, but your new quarters are available, Eric said as he rose. 
His link to the Arabella had wordlessly informed him that the captain had sent a signal of his pending return to the ship. You should report to them and get some rest. After you've done that, we can see about getting you on the duty roster. Dismissed, Ensign. Lieutenant Commander James stood in his office and paced as he inhaled the scent provided by the flora within. His mind deftly processed information at hand and allowed him to formulate his next course of action. As much as his personal life had occupied him in recent days, the status of the ship had always been a priority. The sudden chaos that the ship now faced was something that could have been prevented if protocols had been observed. They weren't and the ship now suffered for it. Eric sighed softly before tapping his comm badge. James to Dunn. Dunn here, sir, came the reply of the newly promoted officer. Take another officer with you and proceed to the Callan's location. He is to be placed under house arrest and relieved of all duties until an inquiry can be conducted on his part in the current security breach. Dunn only hesitated briefly before accepting his orders. Yes, sir. As he neared the sickbay exit, Tom was frozen in place by Ryla's question. Do you think these people are coming for Joseph? He turned back into the room as he considered her question. Possibly. Perhaps I should remain here until the Lord has passed. Gitan tapped his combat. Gitan to Commander James. I couldn't help but notice that we've got to read the Lord. Is there anything I can do to assist? Alrighty, so that is going to do it for this week's The Ready Room. I would like to thank our writers, Feathers, Hawkeye Meds, Just X, Jin, Wraith1701, Dinghead, Star Trek Fanatic 5, and Dangelus. Also, I would like to thank this week's readers, Cosmonaut, Hawkeye Meds, Dinghead, Star Trek Fanatic 5, Billy Bob, Dangelus, and Moyer777. Thank you guys to all our writers and readers. This RPG would obviously be nothing without you guys, and we really appreciate it. And we will talk to you guys next week. So this is Kenny, hailing frequencies closed. The Ready Room theme and other RPG music was composed by Rick Moyer. All other music was obtained through the Podsafe Music Network. Read more about the adventures of the USS Arabella at treksandsci-fi.com. Greetings, guildies. I'm Kenny. And I'm Jenny. After listening to this great podcast, why don't we turn into our podcast? Knights of the Guild. The official fan podcast for the web series The Guild. Each month, we'll bring you the latest news about the Guild cast, including what projects they're working on and what conventions they'll be attending. Also, we'll be updating you on the current season. We'll talk about some behind-the-scenes fun of Season 2. As well as having cast, crew, and fan interviews. So head over to iTunes and subscribe to Knights of the Guild. Or go to our website for a direct download at knightsoftheguild.podbean.com. Zaboo! (laughs) Hi, I'm Rick Moyer, and I want to tell you about my brand new podcast. It's called Take Him With You. Every week I talk about what's going on in my geeky little world of television, music, and in my faith. My hope is that in a world that can sometimes be really depressing, for at least a few moments you can be encouraged and smile a bit. So come check it out. www.takehimwithyou.com The weekly podcast that's spiritual, not religious. I'd love to have you listen. Thanks.
how cool is this podcast? That means that you excellent people who are listening to this cool podcast are even more cooler. How cool is that? So once you finish listening to this podcast, why don't you come over to our podcast and give us a go? We're called Waffle On. You can find us on iTunes. Simply type in Waffle On or go to our webpage and you'll find us at http colon forward slash forward slash waffleon.podbean.com. We do TV. We talk about classic TV from 1960 to 1990. You'll find everything here from sci-fi to comedy, from drama to thriller. Come and check us out. We're called Waffle On. <laughs> no, I don't think he likes you at all. <laughs> no, I don't like you either. <laughs> I love that. That is so great. That's good writing. Yes, because it's not much dialogue. And because <clears throat> George Lucas didn't write all the <coughs> dialogue. <laughs> I'm Jen. And I'm Angela. And when you're not listening to this glorious podcast, we would love to have you listen to ours, the Anomaly Podcast. That's A-N-O-M-A-L-Y podcast.com. 